All right, what's going on? Welcome to Canel and Bell. Danny Canel, David Sampson in today for Raja, who is at an AAU basketball tournament with his uh, boys, uh, taking them to a tournament. You saw the joy on my face when we came in because we do our at this hour and then we transition to our show. And I was very excited for the transition there going from Joe Madden doesn't know the extent of the Chris Bryant injury to what we do know is Canel and Bell is coming up now. That's like a smooth transition in this. I TV couldn't business. tell because you have so much makeup on <laughs> that I didn't Look see you, any inflection. So, I just didn't see inflection in your face. Dave. Right, right. But I do think one of two things. Like it's probably a little weird that I get that excited about something that's really corny and wasn't that good anyway. Um, the makeup thing is just part of the business, but you're saying in person it looks pretty rough. I think you still have it on from our photo shoot from you. <laughs> That's what I think. What, you had it on for the photo shoot, didn't I, you? I did, and it took 20 wipes when I got home to get it off. It was I am, caked on. It was in my eyebrows and my ears. I hate makeup. Like, I do not like applying it, but there are some times I've been having a little bit of uh, sleep problems this year. I've been working a little extra this week doing some stuff with SiriusXM. So I had some sleep issues. So I was like, you know what? Let me try to look a little bit better. And now you make me feel like a clown. So no, there goes that. You don't look like a clown. Your nose is perfectly brown, not <laughs> it's red at all. Perfectly large, the way it always is, too. Uh, we got a big show lined up for you. A lot of baseball talk. Can't wait to get to that. Uh, there was an umpiring issue that, no surprise, Angel Hernandez was uh, involved right in the middle of it. Uh, Taylor Lewan of the Titans uh, tested positive uh, for substance, yet he has a video crying out there, pleading his innocence. We'll get to that in a little bit, but. We have an issue. We talked at this hour. We talked about Ezekiel. He is expected now uh, to be at Cowboys camp. But you have Melvin Gordon is holding out with the Chargers. You got Bob, Bobby Wagner with the Seahawks who is going to camp, but he said he's going to take the cautious approach. Um, are these guys under contract? I'm just curious. They are under contract. Yes, they are, Danny. Yeah. So, oh, so you're Do going your hard job. line. You're going hard line front office ownership approach because that's what you're familiar with. What do you mean? I'm but suspending them the minute they don't show up <laughs> to a mandatory event without pay. And sometimes they can get fined, as Melvin Gordon could get fined up to thirty thousand dollars per day per day that he misses in training camp. The thing that's unique, or not unique, the thing that's funny, comical almost about those fines. And I was talking a little bit about Raja uh, yesterday. I don't think I can ever recall a time when a player actually paid those fines. No, they players, never paid. When they got fined, always paid them. Well, now there's a difference. And if you are late to a meeting, you're paying that fine. Well, that's three or five court. No, no, no. That's CBA. That's collective bargaining. If you are late to a meeting. Like a team meeting. A team meeting. You can get fined five grand. If you forget your playbook, if you leave your playbook at home, you can get fined. There's an amount that's agreed upon by the union. Do you pay those? Yes, those they will pay because they're smaller and they're one time and you really screwed up. These are unique because I think the Chargers want Melvin Gordon on their team. They just want him at the contract that he signed up for, right? I think they understand his desire for a longer-term deal. But here's where I think they never see those uh, fines come into play is because when push comes to shove, and let's say it's two days or it's two days are left in training camp. This training camp's over. You're getting closer and closer to the regular season. And the Chargers are like, and Melvin Gordon's agent calls and said, oh, okay, we're not going to get a deal done, are we? And the Chargers say no. If they said, all right, here's your fines, you owe us what in his case could be half a million dollars when it's all said and done. And his agent will say, all right, well, do you want him? If you say, if you, if you find him that, he's not going to be on your team. He's going to sit out the entire year. Great. But if you overlook that, We'll just go moving forward, the same contract we have, just forget that fine. The Chargers are going to say, 
don't worry about it. Forget the fine. We'll just take him as the player under the current contract. How many rings do they have in San Diego? <laughs> a lot? No. Too many? This Zero? squad, no. <laughs> any? Yeah. Have they ever won? I'm just well, in curious. L.A. now, too, as Coca has pointed okay. out. Okay. It's, it's an easy – I do it all the time. What I'd like to point out to you is that you cannot give the power to the player. I'm sorry, Danny. I know you're a player. These right. guys have a contract. This guy, Gordon, what leverage exactly does he have? You had great His, analysis here on the queue this morning. Yep. Where uh, I think Will Brinson talked about the fact that there was nothing. There's nothing he can do because he still has two years of franchise tag. It's not the same situation as LeVon Bell. Play. Show up. You have a contract. You signed it. Do your job. His only leverage is his playing ability. Because if you take that away. How's that leverage? Well, you're not going to provide a service. Now, I, here, I totally hear what you're saying. He's going to lose. He's not going to make a dime. Right. He, he does not make a dollar. And this is where I think Melvin Gordon doesn't have a leg to stand on because I think he's not easily replaceable, but I think you can find another back who They're can They're all get replaceable. Agreed. Every player. Agreed. I hear what you're saying. Just listen to my point for a second. Okay. Play along with me a little bit. Um, if the Chargers viewed him as a difference maker, um, somebody who's going to help them make the playoffs and whether he plays or not, they need him. Which I don't think they do. That's where I think, that's where I think Melvin Gordon is unique. Ezekiel, it's a different conversation because I think he means more to the Cowboys. I think he has more leverage than Melvin Gordon. That's why ultimately I do think Melvin Gordon ends up reporting to camp. I think he's trying to get a new deal. I think he's trying to follow the Le'Veon Bell path, even though it didn't work for Le'Veon either, uh, because he missed out on $14 million and got a new deal and it wasn't that great. So he just missed a year of earning potential right in his prime. Um, Melvin Gordon, I think, is a lesser back than Le'Veon Bell. Right. I think he's lesser than Ezekiel Elliott. He's lesser than a lot of these players. But the only sorts of leverage he has is is try him. Hey, if you want to go ahead without me, let's see. I think the Chargers will stare him back in the face and say, sure, you sit at home. But you never know until you, you know, as a negotiation, it's who's willing to walk away from the table. I think the Chargers will be easily. They'll walk away from the table every time. I think Melvin Gordon comes back to his senses and says, all right, I don't want to miss out on this season. I don't want to have that. I don't think they even get a deal done. I just think he he's trying to make a statement, trying to create some leverage, which maybe it's his agent telling it. Maybe he's looking at what happened with Le'Veon, which didn't work out. Um, Can I pin saying, you down for a second? Yeah. Can you tell your listeners? Yeah. Because it's possible, and all your followers, I may have just misunderstood you. Is it possible that you just told all of us that it's okay for a player to hold out and not fulfill the terms of his contract as long as he's good? Okay. Here's the problem with our conversation. You are coming from a baseball perspective. I am coming from a football perspective. Because in baseball, contracts are guaranteed. If Melvin Gordon... Didn't have a good camp. If he comes in 30 pounds overweight, you know what the Chargers can do? See ya. How awesome They'll cut is him. that? Well, that sucks from a player's perspective, and that's why I'm okay anytime any of these players want to try to use leverage, if they have it, to try to get a new contract. Because if if it was a two-way street and, the, and you could say, hey, the Chargers, they have to pay him every single dime of the rookie contract or whatever contract he signs to. Like we just had two inst- or three instances yesterday. We had Alan Hearns was cut the day before camp from the Cowboys. Um, we had Legally. Mason Foster. Legally. Yeah, and he's not going to see a dime. He was owed, I think, $6 million he was owed this year. Um, Mike Daniels, uh, the defensive lineman for the Green Bay Packers, was owed $8 million for this season. They cut him the day before he's supposed to report to Legally. Him. Agreed. It is all legal, but it's not illegal for a guy to hold out and say, you know what? If you don't want to pay me, I'll go, I'll sit out a year. He's, they're trying to use 
They're trying to gain some power. The problem with all of it, individual players don't have power. Collectively, as a group, they do. And that's where the the union, the, the NFL Players Union, the Players Association, has always had a really weak stance because they've never been able to really take a strong stance. Yeah, any DeMaurice right now, I couldn't agree with you more. DeMaurice Smith is very important right now in, in terms of the game of football. He's the head of the union, and he's got a job to do because you said it perfectly. One player at a time, changes will not be made. You, it's called the collective Yep. Bargaining agreement. <laughs> Collective. We will get players together and take a stand. You want guaranteed contracts? Make a stand. You're going to have to give some stuff up because there are players signing deals where they're getting paid a lot of money for lack of performance. So like in baseball, there's going to be a tipping point and the inflection point. And right now with all these holdouts, it's not good for the game. We're talking about on your show, mm-hmm. training camps are open. It's the most exciting time. We've waited and waited for the off season to end. Off season's over. And you and I are talking about guys holding out. That is not what's good for the NFL. You know where it is um, good for the NFL? And as much as I hate to admit it, um, it gives the best product. You know why? Because how many times have you seen – in baseball, guy signs it. I mean, Bryce Harper's going to be okay, but he had a bad first year. Like he's had a bad opening deal in this first, you know, year with the uh, Phillies. Um, but how many other guys have you seen eat their way? They get lazy, they get complacent, they don't produce. Uh, in the NFL, we've seen it, but you know what happens in the NFL? If you don't produce, you don't get the back half of your contract. NBA, we see it a lot of times, and you know, you always hear the, um, you know, it's just and you see guys coast through the regular season in the NBA. In the NFL, you are always fighting for your job. You're fighting for your contract because it's not guaranteed the back end of it. So you have to prove your worth every year, which is one of the reasons I think the NFL has one of the best products on the field is because players can't afford to take a year off. They can't afford to just get lazy. in the front office for my 18 years, and we would dream about the NFL system of unguaranteed contracts. Literally, we would talk about and we would meet with GMs and owners of the NFL teams and say, do you realize how good you have it that you get to actually pay for performance? What a dream. In baseball, we pay for past performance and we pray that there's some (laughs) sort of future performance. It's changing now because the older guys are not getting free agent deals the way they used to in baseball. Right. They're finally getting – they're wisening up. Did you ever have a player hold out like in a – the players, baseball players just kind of accept it because the contract's guaranteed. They signed up for it. Like, is, is there any circumstance where you had a player who tried to force his way to a new deal? Oh, they we just had, realize it's unrealistic. We had players who wanted to renegotiate. We had players who wanted to get paid more in their first three years because we would dictate the salary in the first three years. And here's how the conversation would go. They'd come into my office and speak to either me and Mike Hill or Larry Beinfest and say, Hey, you know, instead of 500 grand, we want 575 grand. And we'd say, okay, thanks for coming in. <laughs> right. That's how quick the conversation is because we get to control and we never wanted to set a precedent. That's the key here. How do you treat a superstar differently than you treat your 25th man on your bench? If you do that, you end up losing the clubhouse. And that's one of the hardest parts about running a team. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the NFL, the players don't have very much power. They're trying to exercise it. And I think, and I think they look around at the NBA. And they're seeing, hey, why can't we do that? Why can't we force our way onto teams we want to play for? Why can't we force our way to bigger contracts? It just they don't have the leverage because of the guaranteed contracts and the power structure of the NBA is just completely different. This NBA season, I think, is setting up to be awesome, right? Can't wait. Can't wait for it. Um, but we've seen some things happen that have raised some eyebrows. Um, Steve Kerr specifically is not too thrilled with one of the situations that took place. Um, Steve Kerr was talking about Anthony Davis. 
uh, on the Warriors Insider podcast, and he said specifically, I'm talking more about the Anthony Davis situation where a guy is perfectly healthy and has a couple years left on his deal and says, I want to leave. That's a problem, a real problem in the league. The league has to address and that the players have to be careful with. When you sign on the dotted line, you owe your effort and your play to that team, to that city, to that fans. And then once the contract runs out, it's completely your right to leave as a free agent. But if you sign the contract, then you should be bound to that contract. I agree with Steve Kerr because I think this sport is different. You are guaranteed the full length of that contract. When Anthony Davis signed that great, I think it was $155 million extension with New Orleans, he was committing to that franchise. And then all of a sudden, just because he's not happy there, he says, I don't want to finish it. And they're forced to deal him. And he gets to go play for the Lakers. Like, the players, I think, have taken over too much power in the NBA. And I think that's what Steve Kerr's alluding to. Let me give you the alternate to your argument. Um, why did New Orleans have to trade AD again? I can't remember. Were they forced to? Was there a rule that they were fine with? <laughs> right. Right? They did not have to trade him. But teams, while they say they're part of a league and they want to do what's best for the league, and we did this in baseball all the time, we pretend that it's 30 teams and we all want to work together guess what? We would bite off the finger of another team if it meant winning one extra game. The New Orleans Pelicans were in a situation where they wanted to extract a pound of flesh back for AD in order to help their franchise going forward. They didn't do it because AD demanded a trade. They did it because they knew he wasn't going to re-sign with them after he became a free agent, and they didn't want to just let him go for nothing. They needed in that market to maximize their asset. So I, I take umbrage a little bit that he himself had the power to force the Pelicans to act. The Pelicans front office did what was in their best interest. Uh I agree with some of that because I do think Anthony Davis wanted out, and I think that was what sparked the conversation. I think if Anthony Davis was fine with playing there, they would have let him play it out, even though they knew he was going to leave after. Um, I do not agree. You don't? No, because... What about the Kawhi Leonard situation with this person? Now, that's a little bit unique because he had a medical problem and he was had issues with the medical staff, but I also think it was probably a cultural difference. I don't think he... Maybe he didn't love playing for Pop, didn't love that system, and wanted to try a new scenery. I, ultimately, he wanted to get back to California, which is where he ended up. But he could have gotten there anyway. Right. This right. year he could have been back in California to begin with. He was a regular free agent. What he, what San Antonio did is the same exact thing. Leonard wasn't happy. He definitely wasn't going to resign there. And San, and San Diego. San Antonio is a team that constantly is churning, right? Mm-hmm. You keep a core when you had Duncan and Robinson and Ginobili. You keep a core, then Leonard, but you've got to keep players going. So they traded Leonard and got back assets. So it sounds like you don't think there's a problem in the NBA with the players getting too much power and forcing their way out of deals and getting to new landscapes by just expressing I do opinion. not. Do you know why, Danny? It's like people who say, what an outrage that Bryce Harper got $300 million. Well, guess what? Um, a team gave it to him. Yeah. So there is no player who ever has the power to get overpaid. Players by themselves are never overpaid. Mm-hmm. It's owners, presidents who overpay. It's our fault every single time. Yeah, it's... We're going to get to tampering a little bit later in the show because that's obviously a big problem in the NBA. I do... I. I've always it is a unique landscape because before it's always been if a player forced a trade he would really get smashed and Kawhi Leonard took some heat last year but everybody forgot about that when he's winning championship in Toronto. Uh, there is a massive shift in perspective and opinions and the way we look at players where everybody's applauding all the new player power that has evolved in the NBA. And I do think it comes with some problems, but there are some solutions and teams are figuring out that too and it's putting more um stress on teams to have to work those deals. 
and it worked out pretty good for the Pelicans because they got a slew of assets in return. They're going to have Zion. They're, they're going to have a pretty good future going forward. Uh, so maybe they're going to lose that on Anthony Davis, but they'll be okay moving forward. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Back here at Canel and Bell, Danny Canel, David Sampson, doing a little baseball. So I do three hours of radio every day in addition to the show. Yesterday afternoon, we did almost an entire show all devoted to the greatness of baseball that was the previous night, right? You had the Yankees, crazy finish, maybe the best game of the decade. Aaron Boone said this might be one of the greatest games. Of course, Five hours, high three minutes. Yes, it was a long game. Uh, but you had Mike Trout with the cannon from center field. It was an unbelievable throw. You had Trey Turner hit for the cycle. You had Cano had three home runs. A lot of Giants had a walk-off home run. A lot of spectacular stuff. We did a whole show on, man, baseball might be in better shape than we think. And literally, like the last hour of the show, right when we're going off air, um, we had the Rays Red Sox game up, uh, and we were both kind of paying attention to me and my co-host. So we're watching this and there's no action taking place. Um, I'm not listening to it, but I'm like, all right, there hasn't been a play in a long time. 15. Yeah. I think it was 20. I think it was literally, I think it was 20 minutes because as soon as our show ended, I flipped it on and Alex Cora was still on the field putting his case with the umpires because of a lineup fiasco that took place. When I was reading about this this morning, I didn't realize this when I was watching the game. The broadcasters didn't say this, um, but you realize it was Angel Hernandez was the umpire that was in charge there. And I was like, oh, well, of course there was an issue. He's one of the worst umpires in all of baseball. Um, but you're telling me that it was all handled properly from a rules perspective, and it just took forever because of the semantics that were taking place, some of the issues that were taking place. Yeah, it pains me to say this because Angel <laughs> Hernandez really is probably the worst, one of the two or three worst umpires in all of baseball. Yeah. And I'm talking about his acumen and actually umpiring a game. Right. In this case... And that's been statistically documented. And, I, and I've got to tell you honestly, because that's what we do here on the Canel and Bell and sometimes, if not always, Samson show. <laughs> um, yeah, Angel did it right. Kevin Cash, when you make a double switch like that, you have to go to Angel and go through your lineup and say who's going to hit in what spot. And you are allowed to have the pitcher take a position, and if you replace your DH, you lose the DH. Everything was followed right, except Cash forgot to give Angel who was where in the lineup. And in that case, there is a rule in baseball which says, in the event the manager doesn't do that, then the umpire at his sole discretion can decide who's where in the lineup. Angel had it right, but it took him a while to get himself together. I can imagine a different umpire would have immediately said, all right, Kevin, you didn't give me the lineup. 
Here's where the players are in the lineup. Here, You're Joey stuck Cora. With it. Here's where they are. I made the decision rule 5.10-84BC, 501C3, and we're done. We're playing. But Angel was all flustered, and he had the crutch of New York. So he went to the headset, went to the replay booth. It wasn't a replay. Went to just confirm he was doing it right, and that's when replay hurts you, right? Because he used that crutch, which delayed the game even further. Right. It took forever to get it done. You could see Alex Cora when he went out to the uh, to have this discussion. You could, you could. It was hilarious because you could see him like, I think he knew the rules, and he's saying, "Hold on a second, wait, this happened," and I don't think he was happy with the explanation he was getting. They played the game under protest. Any chance, because it was played right, this is just go away. You think that'll be accepted? No, the protest, there won't Zero. be anything overturned. They won't replay the game from that point. So here's what the front office was doing, cause I, I've done this before. We have a rule book in our suite. And every game we'd watch, there's a rule book there with the media guides. Yep. And, uh, when something like this comes up, <laughs> we're actually, we're scrambling. We're looking through the rule book. We're trying to find it. Then we're on the phone down to the dugout and we're talking and fi- here's what we're going to do. Then we're on the phone to the league office. Before you officially protest a game, you're speaking to the league office and to the operations guys and saying, listen, this wasn't kosher what went on here. The league office says, hey, we got to review it. We, we're going to look at the tape. We say, hey, while you're reviewing it, we're just going to file this protest because we think this really prejudiced us and changed the game. Not exactly happened. You know, this isn't the pine tar incident. Right. And this happened on the anniversary of the pine tar incident. Oh, it did. I didn't yeah, realize the exact that. day. Well, I wish more teams would do the switch where they keep the pitcher in, uh, and then it's happening more and more, Danny. Well, I love it. I think it's, I, I love it from respect. You know, I love Shohei Otani playing two ways. Like I just like teams thinking outside the box a little bit. And it kind of brings me back to like little league days when you see moves like that made, but I think it's good. I think fans like to see that and see a pitcher forced to play a position maybe for a couple and then see him back out there. The question I have for you, just Real quick, because I, I know Coco wants to move on. If you, if you, if, so let's say you take the pitcher, he throws to a batter, and then he goes to first base. If they switch him again back to the pitching, uh, back to the pitcher's mound, does he get another eight pitches to warm up? Uh, no. He's, okay, then that's great. Then I love it even more. He's right in there. Okay, great. Because that's, that's what I was saying. Change. Right. So then I would hate it if they had another eight. But if you're just saying, hey, just flop and go, then I love it. Yeah, and it's and it's happening more and more. But uh, next year, you you may see a rule change where a pitcher has to face a minimum of three batters in a row, right. and then that will actually change this all this back and forth stuff that you love so much. Right, because that's one of the reasons the Yankees game the other night took five hours and it was only a ten inning game and because three was, minutes. Right, because there were so many pitching changes uh, that took place throughout that game. Fourteen to twelve. Yeah. Well, they at least they had a lot of action on the field when it was out there. Uh, the trade deadline is uh, quickly approaching us, less than a week away, July thirty first. Um, as we approach that date, we're going to see some teams become sellers. Some teams are going to try to make some trades. The Mets have been an absolute disaster this season. I even coming into the season, there were some high expectations with some of the players. I, I don't. It's a franchise I don't trust um, because they haven't had a recent history. You know, going back at least several years, um, they had the run with Matt Harvey when they made the playoffs. Made it, but as far as recently, they've just been like they've been run into the ground. Um, they were supposed to have the best rotation in history. Remember, they had Harvey. They had right. Harvey. That Willard, was only like what Ron, five years ago, less Ricard. four they years were ago. In the World Series in fifteen. Yeah, now it's going to be the beginning of their great window where they'd finally get a ring, their first one since nineteen eighty six. How does it implode this quickly? Oh, it just did. obviously the Matt Harvey uh, falls apart, and they pitch maybe too much in that World Series. But how does he it come? It, it's an f- unfortunate event, right? A series of unfortunate events. So let's start with the fact that Matt Harvey was hurt and couldn't stay on the field. Then you've got their lineup that was never able to produce when the pitching was good. Last year, DeGrom has a Cy Young year, and he got no runs scored for him. Then you bring in an agent to be your GM, and that was it, Curtains. They make the offseason deal for Cano and Diaz, which for all of our loyal listeners on the queue, they saw immediately 
that they heard from us that the Mets had the worst offseason in baseball by making that trade. But Van, Van Wagenen comes out and says, we're the team to beat. Come get us. Remember what he did, yeah. Kenny? As a player, I bet you hated that when you had front office people at, go out ahead of you and say, hey, we're going to be the greatest team ever. When you know deep down that Cano stinks, that Diaz can't possibly have as good a season as he had the season before, and your GM just put a ton of pressure on you. Did you like that? <laughs> no. You want to be flying under the radar, right? Always. Let's, let's surprise people like I've, I never understood that like guaranteeing wins um, getting out there being really brash really confident bringing all bringing the bullseye on your back wouldn't you rather surprise people um, then go ahead and make Take that, that off the screen, Coco. You're scaring the Mets fans. You're <laughs> right. scaring them. Yeah. Look at that. They took on $120 million in Robinson Cano plus this season for a guy, yes, he hit three homers in one game, and you probably got all excited because you got to talk about it on the <laughs> yes. show. It's He's had the worst season ever. He's old. He's not on steroids anymore. He doesn't perform. He doesn't hit. He can't field. And there's no DH in the National League, FYI. And it was really – there. it was peculiar, to say the least, that Brody Van Wagenen was – Hiring all these or bringing all these signing all these guys that were former clients. I mean, isn't is that, that a coincidence? No, but that's if you're the ownership there, aren't you saying right off the bat, uh oh, there might be a problem here? I think they should have been saying, uh oh, when they interviewed Brody Van Wagen and to be a <laughs> right. GM. And the real problem is that you've got uh, ownership there that's very involved. You know, the the Wilpon's involvement makes my involvement look like I didn't pay attention. Right? That, <laughs> right. That's and that's how serious it is over in Flushing. And it's something that it, they're the owners. It's their right. And I don't, you know, but I'd like them to just stand up. It's one of the things I would talk about with the Marlins. If we want to be involved, let's stand up as ownership and president and say, yeah, we're involved. I'm the owner of this team and I want to try, I want to fire the manager. If you're Jeff Wilpon, stand up and say, you know what? I don't need a GM. I want to be the GM like Jerry Jones. Right. I love Jerry Jones. I'm the owner. I'm the president. I'm the GM. Take ownership over I'm everything. I'm the guy. Yep. If it goes well, it's me. If it doesn't go well, it's me. But guess what? My team is worth five, Bill. I don't <laughs> care what you all think. Yep. Uh, no doubt about it. I, I have a love-hate relationship with Jerry Jones because I do like that. Although I don't love him holding a press conference after every single game. Like, we don't need to hear from you. Let me hear from Dak Prescott. Let me hear from Zeke. You don't have to give your opinion on He's what the happened. Owner. He, so he can do whatever he wants whatever to. He want. look, can, look at but Steve you Ballmer mentioned about yesterday. some of that, you know, about uh, Van Wagen and, you know, bringing that spells on him. I think Jerry Jones does that sometimes with the Cowboys. He brings a lot of attention on the team and the expectation and sets it up um, there. Have they won a Super Bowl recently? Not in a long time. I'm just trying to Not remember. since he's been the GM. I just would like to point that out. Oh, I agree. I don't, I don't think feel they win badly when, for them. No, I don't feel badly for them either. I don't think they win until they actually hire a GM. Do you remember the Yankees? They couldn't win in the eighties and nineties before when Steinbrenner was yeah. in charge. Yep. And he was the de facto GM. Yep. And then he got suspended for all of his illegal activities. Yep. They brought in Cashman. That's when they started to take off. They've taken off ever since then. With the trade deadline approaching, I think the Giants are a, a fascinating storyline to follow because they were so hot. What are they won? Sixteen to twenty-one. They won this un- incredible because they lost last night, right? Yep. Um, but they had like four walk-offs in the last seven games. Everybody that needs a starting pitcher has assumed, oh, we'll have a shot at Madison Bumgarner, right? Because the Giants are going to unload everybody. Has that changed? With the Giants' success. Boy, I hope not. Because if it is, that means that their, their president of baseball operations, a guy named Farhan, is paying attention to the media and to the fans. And as we uh, talk about sometimes here on the queue, you do that, you'll soon be amongst them. You've got to make these trades. They're not going to make the playoffs. They've gotten this hot. Just It's like being down four touchdowns in a game, right? <laughs> right? You work so hard to tie the game, and then you lose by a field goal because you just ran out of time, ran out of energy. It takes a lot. What the Giants have done, they're not going to win 16 of their next 20. They're just not that good. They overperform for that period. 
Very poor timing from a PR standpoint, given that that team should be a seller. But we're going to learn a lot about the Giants in the next six days. Like the fortitude of how they can stand up and do the right thing and and sell that tough decision. So hard. Do you think? Out to to fans. So I was looking at MLB.com the other day, and their chances to make the playoffs around seven or eight percent. Like like analytics, and all we hear about baseball is analytics. Are they looking at that? Are they taking that into consideration, saying, well, yeah, we've been hot, we have this momentum, but the statistics still say it's still a very you – know, there's a 92% right. chance we don't make the playoffs. Here's what we did, Danny. When we had a 90% chance of making the playoffs under the probability analytics, we would say that is 100% spot on. Mm-hmm. When we had an 8% <laughs> chance of making the playoffs, even though we thought we had a good team, we would say, hey, they don't see inside our clubhouse. Those numbers don't know the heart of our guys and the willingness we have and the desire to win. We've got a 90% chance, not an 8%. It's delusion. We all do it. When you run a team, you have to have that delusion, that will, that hope, and sometimes that gets in the way of making smart decisions. What moves do you think, made? So with Bumgarner, I think – I agree with you. I, I, I hopefully they'll, and it's almost like you hope you lose the next couple games so it takes some of that pressure off you. But what about Trevor Bauer and Marcus Stroman? Do you think, like, are these guys going to get moved as well? I, I think the Indians don't have the guts to trade Bauer because they're now two games up in the wild card and yep. two games behind the Twins. They think they can make the playoffs and even win the division. So they may be looking to add instead of trading Bauer and Brad Hand, their closer. Marcus Stroman, the Blue Jays are a disaster of an organization. They have, no, they're really not good. So they are going to trade Stroman for sure. I think the Giants at the end of the day are not going to trade Baumgartner. And then they're going to give him a qualifying offer. (laughs) And then he may even take it. And this will absolutely retard the Giants' rebuild. You know, they were the destined. They were the team of this decade. Yeah. Three rings they have. Yep. And but those guys, you know, Posey's getting older. But they could get a massive old. haul if they were willing to. Which could. is why they should do it. I just don't think they're going to pull the trigger. They've got the emotion of Bruce Bochy's last season. Yeah. Right. And they want to try to go. Why? Because he's go out a winner. Right. Give me a break. He's done great for them. They've got rings together. It's like what the Lakers did with Kobe Bryant or what the Giants are doing with Eli Manning. You know, he got you rings, but now he's not worthy of being your starter or being on your team. And by giving him that pillow goodbye, mm-hmm. you're hurting yourself for years. Um, the Indians, I've seen a couple reports that say they could be potentially buyers and sellers. It's a new thing. It is how how would that work? Well, you it's make like one or two trades, but you're you're still keeping some of them. Like you actually acquire, you trade away guys and you acquire other guys. Like the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, when they traded for Chris Archer, the Pirates were said that they they got Chris Archer, so they were actually trying to buy, even though they were in a season where they were sellers. And Tampa traded away Archer, but they were buying because they got back Austin Meadows, who they knew would be an everyday player, and Tyler Glasnow as well. That what a crazy trade that was. So you're seeing something that Tampa started. Because they're really at the forefront. They and Houston are at the forefront of all these great innovations. It's not Oakland any longer. And you're seeing teams that don't want to fold completely because they're close enough to the wild card. But they want to maximize the return on their expiring assets. Uh, It'll be interesting to watch. This trade deadline should be fun to watch as you're going to see a lot of moves potentially take place there. I have these notes, but i got to say I'm just fired up to be here today. It's pretty cool. Pretty damn cool. Kawhi said something uh, when they won the championship this year about the Larry O.B. The only thing that matters is the Larry O.B. When I first got here, I think I called it the Lawrence O'Brien. But from now on, it's all about the Larry O.B. I'm pumped to say hello as Clippers to Paul and Kawhi. Come on! Come on! 
Oh, that's hilarious. That was Steve Ballmer, obviously the owner of the Clippers, introducing his two new acquisitions in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. It is exactly what you would think of a kid who was probably a nerd in high school, nerd throughout his adult life, becomes this mega, you know, billionaire, gets a team, and he hasn't changed a bit. He's still the same nerd he was as probably an eighth grader, um, and he's exactly the way he is. You could tell those guys are like, Oh my gosh, this guy! We knew he was a little nerdy. We didn't know it was that bad. Um, but I didn't see him during the playoffs when they were playing Golden State. Oh yeah, they were about to win a game, and there was a game going overtime. He's in the front row. He's got a towel. It's not like Mark Cuban sitting on the bench, which I think Cuban does. <laughs> right. But but Balmer was losing his mind during those games, and players noticed that. Oh, they absolutely do. And I think you know the passion, obviously, is I think what probably excites players from doing there. The money, the deep pockets to give you every resource you need. Um, to succeed. He hasn't been afraid to spend as he's bringing these guys in. Um, so it's, I think it's good. I think it's good for basketball. It was funny because, you know, we were talking about him between the breaks. I think Balmer is seen as cute. Like in people kind of like it. Somewhere. Yes. Yes. Whereas some other guys, Mark Cuban's a good example because he was not as well received. He was not liked. People trade him, like didn't like him in the NBA. I think Balmer is seen as kind of this lovable, excited, passionate owner which he, he gets a pass a little bit on some of that criticism. Let me interrupt and take issue with our full screen. Joined Microsoft I think that maybe understates what Steve Ballmer did <laughs> right. in the history of Microsoft. We're talking about one of the founders, one of the guys who is worth $50 billion because of Microsoft. <laughs> and the thing is he wrote a check out of his checkbook for the $2 billion plus to buy the clip. Right, cash. Um, Donald Sterling, who was kicked out of the league for being a racist. Right. So Balmer comes in. He, his dream comes true. A Clipper franchise that's never done anything. They've been the ugly stepchild to the Lakers forever. And now Balmer gets to actually say, hey, are we the story in L.A.? Ironically, they're not. It's still LeBron and A.D. I think it's going to be interesting to see how this year plays out. I do think they'll take some attention. You're not, it's always, it's kind of like the Mets and the Yankees. It's like the White Sox and the Cubs. There's always one team that's historically been better that has the better branding. Um, how much attention the Clippers do get this season? Is it the LeBron show and the Lakers show and, um, you know, all that? Or will Kawhi and Paul George get some? I think it depends on how they, even, but even if they're, even let's say they're leading the Western Conference, I still think you're going to hear more conversation about LeBron. You know, it's just the LeBron the combined team. with the Lakers. Um, I do. I think their roster from top to bottom. I think the Lakers are going to be a little bit top heavy. And then the depth there is still going to be an issue because of the way this all played out. Because they didn't really have a strong contingency plan uh, while they were waiting on Kawhi Leonard to make their decision. But I think it'll be close. I think it's going to be a tight race. Um, but I do think the Lakers will still dominate the headlines. Because of the, because you have Lake, you're on, not only the Lakers brand, but the LeBron brand is about as big as it gets. And Kawhi is a reluctant superstar. He doesn't like doing interviews. He doesn't like, you know, talking and giving lengthy bits and giving you good sound bites. He just doesn't want to deal with it. He doesn't have social media. You know, he's just he doesn't embrace that. Meanwhile, LeBron's the total opposite. I think the Lakers have a better team. I think the Lakers have a better pedigree. I think now the Lakers have a better coach with Vogel over Walton. I think that LeBron, after an off year, comes back hungrier with a desire to help his legacy by trying to get another ring, which I don't think he'll get. I just think the Clippers are a top four seed for sure. 
But this is about as excited as you're going to see Bomber all year. Yeah. Oh, you, so right. you're saying I bet opening day he'll be that excited. Uh, <laughs> and then we'll see how long it Lakers. lasts. Yeah, exactly. Home game against Lakers when he gets his own courtside seat. How much will he have to pay for the Lakers Clippers game? That's a Lakers home game in order to get the Spike Lee seat. <laughs> right. And he'll, but he'll, he won't have a problem paying. And they call it. Marlins man who gets yeah. his front row seats. Every that's day. right. Uh, he might have to tap into his con- connections there. Ultimately, he'll be able to write the check though, so that's not going to be the problem. Uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard were talking with Rachel Nichols. Uh, on the jump yesterday on ESPN and she asked him about how this developed and I thought it was really interesting because they got a little bit awkward because <laughs> I noticed them look at each other about who was going to talk first yes and it was like who's going to handle this and I think it was Paul was it Kawhi, Kawhi, started, Kawhi spoke first yep and then George had a little soundbite after because Kawhi said it goes back to the days when George was on in, Indiana, Indiana right which I thought was fascinating to right me. and I think it was I think they were ready for that question they kind of were knew it was coming and they wanted to make sure it didn't appear like there was any tampering that took place right even though we all know it it has it was. they were uh, awkward Danny they were so awkward so awkward I mean it was like you were busted it's like if you I, caught somebody with their hand in the cookie jar and they're like I didn't do this what are you talking about like you got like the crumbs on your fingernails exactly so the nba has taken it upon themselves to say look this is an issue uh we are going to look into it uh per the new york times several teams and i would be ticked off too if i'm the oklahoma city thunder if i'm any of these teams that have either players were pilfered from your roster or they were approached and they were talked about it you knew it was taking place the problem with it is how in the world do you monitor this how many teams are in the nba 30 30, 32 in the NFL, yep. 30 in MLB. Uh, guess what? That is 92 teams. Yeah. Every single one of them tampers. Right. Everyone. So. Did you ever deal with it? Like, wh- all I mean, the time. What's the we difference? We tampered and we got tampered with. Right. So why, why the concern? Why is it a big deal? It's, it's, it's just eyewash. the teams that lose, lose out the player. They want to complain. It's, it's eyewash. It's the integrity of the game. It's the commissioner's office in the NBA trying to say, Hey, we've got to put a lid on this because it's hurting fan bases when players don't want to play in those middle market or small market places like Oklahoma City. There's not one thing that Adam Silver can do or Rob Manford or Roger Goodell tampering or Gary Bettman for that matter in the NHL tampering happens. There's no way. Think about from this standpoint, you're a player. Mm-hmm. If you have a player option for a year, you could opt out of your contract. How do you know whether you're going to opt out of your contract? You don't. Oh yes, you do. You do. You know, Because you've gone to every other team and you know <laughs> what those teams are going to offer you. Right. I'm a free agent. Right. Right, Danny? Yep. There's no way you opt out. You have 40 million left on your deal. Right. You only opt out if you know you're getting 41 from someone else. Right. So, of course, that level of tampering happens. When we're going to trade for a player, we're going to speak to the teammates. We're going to speak to the player themselves. Are you ready to come to Miami? Do you want to play in Miami? Let's talk about where you're going to live. Let's talk about the team. Let's talk about the ownership. We're talking about all those things with free agents. We knew we wanted Jose Reyes. You think Jose Reyes found out that we wanted to sign Jose Reyes at 12.01 a.m. <laughs> when actually we first met him at a restaurant? 12.01 a.m. is when we met him. Right. First day of <laughs> You think that's the – all of a sudden we were in the same restaurant? Oh, my God. What a surprise. What are you doing here, Jose? <laughs> Did anybody have an issue with you doing that? Or was it Every, just it's accepted practice? The Mets practice? were less than happy. Right. But, but they knew it takes place. They, they know how they, the game they, is played. They knew it. I think, too, as far as the tampering when it takes place from players' perspective is – it's easier now than ever before to develop relationships. Social media, texting, like it's just, it's easier than it was a decade ago, like pre iPhone, pre social media. You can easily follow somebody on Twitter. You can strike up a friendship. And these guys are often, they're training in the same cities. They have, they share the same trainers. 
uh, dietitian, nutrition, all these types of things. So they develop relationships and it's, of course, it's human nature to want to play with people that become your friends. So why wouldn't you at least float the idea? But technically that's tampering. You know, I think one thing, and Coca brought this up, and I think it's interesting, is remember Doc Rivers was doing some commentary and he raved about Kawhi during the playoffs. Got fined. And he got fined. Coca had an interesting question. How come Michael Jordan doesn't get fined when he makes raving statements about Zion Williamson when they signed him to a new shoe company? You was know, he talking as the owner of the Wizards or as the member of the Jordan brand? Well, I'm sure he's going to say, but why wasn't Doc <laughs> Rivers talking as a broadcaster, you know, for ESPN when he was on air at the time? he was still an active head coach. Yeah, true, but, still but an Jordan's still coach. an active owner. Oh, I think there's a total yeah, – I, I wouldn't find anyone for any of it, right? Let's right. Give the people what they want. Give the information you have. Recognize tampering is going to happen, and just make sure you're doing tampering also so you don't get left behind <laughs> exactly. in the world of tamper. Exactly. Just be smart about it. I want everybody to know that I've never taken the supplement knowingly and I've never cheated the game and I never will. I have notes. Those things don't really matter. What really is important to me is that people know that I'm not a cheater. I went and did a polygraph test about Austrian and knowingly taking it and I passed that test. I've never taken anything that would cheat the game. I'm so sorry to the Tennessee Titans. All right, that's Taylor, Taylor Luan with the uh, impassioned plea pleading for his innocence on this uh, suspension he'll be facing. So the sample A is back positive. They're waiting on the B sample to come back before he officially gets the four-game suspension. He says he took a polygraph uh, test, posted it online. It's out there. It's some independent company. Um, he also said he's going to hire an outside company to test everything that he's been taking to see if he can get to the source of where this ostering came from. I think where I believe him is that I think, like, in, but here's where I, here, all right. Careful. Here's the problem I have with No, I am, I am being careful. Here's where I believe him. I do think there's a chance that he bought something and he took it and he didn't know there was Austrian in it. The problem with that is that the NFL does an outstanding job of telling you over and over and over again, don't put anything in your body that comes from uh, any source that is not verified by the NFL. And at one time it was kind of shady because remember EAS, the sports company, the, the supplement company, NFL had a deal kind of with them and it was a little shady because it felt like there was a sponsorship deal in there too. But, and it had a little NFL approval stamp on it and it was either EAS or one other company. You could only get them from two and it just felt like it was a little bit shady from that perspective. But you knew, Hey, if I can, I can only buy those from those companies. And that's why I don't have much sympathy, sympathy for Taylor Lewan is that he might have taken this unknowingly. But you are paid millions of millions of dollars. Your body is your source. Like that's how you make your income. You have to be ultra, ultra careful on everything that you put on your body. I am you put in your uh, body. This subject bothers me so much. I can't even tell you. It's my number one. Uh, the players who claim that they were uh, they maliciously prosecuted. I didn't do this. Guess what? In baseball. In football, we've got trainers. We've got nutritionists who will give you your supplements. And I'm not talking about stuff that you and I take, Flintstones vitamins. Right. I'm talking about stuff that makes you stronger, that helps you recover faster. All the things that players need because their bodies are how they make their living. Cutting edge. The best of the best. Spare no expense. We've got crates of stuff in our clubhouse. And then we've got a player who goes out to the Dominican or goes out to a place, you know, in, 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 in backwards places to get, uh, um, supplements and then says, Oh my God, I tested positive. Not only do I have no sympathy, four games is too few, and now Taylor's making it worse with these 
posting a polygraph test independently done, which has the weight of a feather in a <laughs> zero gravity drop. It does not make one bit of difference. He's actually, you know, pissing into the wind. And for me, he should come out, serve the four games, wait for the sample B to come back, say you're sorry, and then move on, and then go deal with your trainers. But all this stuff that he's doing on social media, it's just making it worse for him. And especially in football, we had Julian Edelman was suspended four games last season. He wasn't happy about it. He didn't deny it. He just said, hey, I'm sorry. But he, he, he didn't go away. But he just went away. He got caught. Yep. Comes back. Wins a Super Bowl, gets a new deal, nobody remembers it. Not a big deal. And you see that in the NFL is more forgiving than any sport. I think because people understand, hey, it's a really physical taxing sport on your body. You know, it's a four-game suspension at the beginning of the season, so you're playing the games that matter anyway. Um, I understand if you – would you feel any differently if the NFL said, yep, we'll let you come into our office, you take a polygraph – if he passed that one, no. or I kind of am with you. It's like 40 I games, believe- Danny. Just so you know, that's forty four games. You say is not a big deal. That's a forty game. But you said you thought it should be more. I do think it should what be more. Think, but that's eight? a quarter of the season in baseball. You miss half the season. Right. It should be eight games. It should be eighty games. If they wanted, to, if they thought it was that big of a deal, I don't think the NFL thinks it's that big of a deal. They're just doing it for public perception. I, I just think want the fun. truth. You know what Robin else he Sikano brought in? comes out and says I had a tummy ache. Then right. I, 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 I took I took a supplement because I really had my stomach problems. Come on, just come out and be honest. You know what else he brought up, which was interesting, is he did bring them in to, uh, he brought Clemson into the conversation. In that video, later in the video, he says the same stuff that Clemson had players tested positive for. And Dabo Sweeney was on record saying, we've got stuff that we give out as a team that we don't even know what's in it. And that's a problem with the team. If I was those wow. players, I'd think about suing the university for the, you know, now Dexter Lawrence still got drafted high. But I'd be like, hey, wait a second. You're admitting that you made a mistake and I had got cost and left out of a championship game. Would you? So baseball also has the rule. Could they be covering for the player? Yeah, absolutely. They could be. And maybe Dabo is. Um, baseball, you're not allowed to play in the playoffs, right? If you lose. Correct. That is one where if the NFL, if they didn't want to go to eight games, if they said four games and you can't play in the playoffs that year, I think you'd see some guys clamp down on it. You would say, do you have, if, so if you wanted to eradicate it, I think it's almost impossible to keep up with, you can try all the testing, you can catch some guys, but I still think it goes on in all sports. Since it's so hard and because it, would you be okay if we just went, you do what you want? Me- just made it open? Meaning just take steroids, do anything. Do whatever you want. Whatever performance enhanced drug you yeah. want, even if it's illegal. Yeah. I think it's a bad message that we'd send to kids who want to get, who want to play football or kids who want to play baseball if the only way to do it is to put things in your system that will break your body down. Look at Tiger Woods' body. He did yeah. steroids for so long, his body broke down. Mark McGuire, Jose Canseco. And we just haven't even studied what happens when they get older. We know that NFL players, the concussion issue, players are dying. Yeah. Heart, so, even with steroids, heart attacks, we saw a lot of guys. Time. That. So no, I'm not okay with it. I think it has to be eradicated, but like everything else, players who want to cheat will cheat and they will always stay ahead of the testing. Good stuff. Fun time today. Maybe more baseball talk tomorrow here with David Sampson. Now Can't wait, Danny.